You are listening to Smaller on the Outside, the first, best, and only Doctor Who podcast that you just can't miss. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and visit our webpage at sotopodcast.wordpress.com. It's called the TARDIS. It can travel anywhere in time and space. And it's mine. Please. Look at it. Go on, same. Most people do. on the outside. Hello and welcome back to Smaller on the Outside or as I would like to call it Sotocast. My name is Dave and I am the Time Lord this evening and with me as always is Andy who of course is the companion. Alright so today was the fourth episode of the eighth series of Doctor Who of course. Uh, But before we get into that let's talk some uh, announcements. So um, week by week on Smaller on the Outside, I've been checking the stats, and, you know, it, <laughs> it, it looks nice, you know, it looks really cool because we're in there at, the, like, every week, it's, like, getting better and better. We're at, like, we're, like, the 20th best TV podcast out there, or yeah. in the same category of TV and movies, we're, like, at number 20, and it... And it's been going up and up, like 27, 22, 20. It's, it's, it just keeps on going up. What's the, what's this on? Uh, what, uh, Potomatic? Potomatic, okay. Yeah, and it just keeps on getting better. I mean, every week, you know, the day uh, after or maybe the day after that, um, our stats are looking pretty cool. But the problem with that, <laughs> and this is, this is a, uh, this is growing to be an issue. Uh, we don't have a pro account, so we have very little actual bandwidth, and and we're running out of it pretty rapidly, including this episode. Two more episodes to go before we our bandwidth is actually renewed. So we have the fourth and the fifth uh, podcast to actually talk about, and uh, I don't know if. I, I don't know if this will be the last podcast before we actually run out of bandwidth. It's very <laughs> possible. Then again, we might just get lucky and skim by. So, uh, thanks for all the support and the watching and the... We aim to serve, but we're getting a little bit too good. Maybe we should suck a little bit more. <laughs> also, in more long lines of TV news... TV shows are coming back very, very soon. I mean, some of them have already started to come back. I believe it's the 22nd of September, like, every, like, TV show known to man is coming back. That, um, that week is everything, pretty much. There's uh, Some things are coming back in October, but only a, a few shows, really. Most of it's that week of the first week of fall, really. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, already, we already have some shows that have come back, like, like Haven. We're watching Haven. Mm-hmm. Um, some shows that were already on are back from hiatus, so there's that, and there's also some new other, um, you know, competition reality shows, stuff like that, that yeah. have started it as well. So there's a lot of TV shows going on right now, so we'll see what's going on with, on that end. 
But as for that, that's the announcements we're going to talk about. The fourth episode of Doctor Who Series 8, which was actually called Listen. What's that in the mirror or the corner of your eye? What's that footstep following? Never passing by. Perhaps they're all just waiting. Perhaps when we're all dead, out they'll come a slithering from underneath the bed. Now this... I, I want to say that I liked this episode a lot. It's a pretty good episode. And this I, is a Moffat. Yeah, I knew it from... Right from the get-go. That I was probably going to like this episode. I mean, it has that title. Listen. Yeah. Like, it's t- talking about the senses and whatever those episodes that are talking about the senses they're yeah, usually pretty good it's very comparable to blink yep blink so, mm-hmm. it's got that same sense of psychological paranoia and stuff like that well all that also has to do with Stephen moffat writing yep which he, he i thought when, it, when it first started out and he was talking about you know the things that you can't see i was wondering if it was going to end up being the bastion dorada you know the the uh the shadows the <laughs> the shadows that eat things. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be that. <laughs> well, I thought uh, that the silence gonna was gonna come back into play a little bit there, because of the uh, listen. You gotta listen to the silence. They even talked about yeah, they did silence. mention the silence at the end of the universe. And if I could be remembering this wrong, but do you remember the episode where they went to the end of the universe before in the end of season three? Oh yeah, I thought there was some kind of silent aspect to that you think so i, I can't remember, remember but... i can't remember technically as far as sounds go but i do remember like that looked very familiar i thought maybe they mentioned it or something like it's too quiet or 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 something like that yeah, I, I don't know. oh no, no no i think the doctor was talking about how quiet it is because there's nothing left and then suddenly some guy starts yelling, ah, because he's getting chased by some bad guys or whatever. <laughs> I think I remember something like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, this episode starts off, and the doctor's just kind of walking around the TARDIS alone, and he's kind of talking to himself. No, he's sitting on top of the TARDIS. Right. Well, it's, yeah, it's... but then it... <laughs> that was kind of confusing, but it just kind of, <laughs> it kind of just moves into the fact that he's walking around the TARDIS alone talking to himself, but that's kind of the point. And he yeah. basically has this idea or theory that when you're talking to yourself, you're never really alone. And people, that's why, that's the very people reason, that's the very reason why people are talking to themselves. Because somewhere deep down, they know that they're not truly, truly alone, that somebody is behind them. Now, Stephen Moffat really likes doing stuff like that. Like in the uh, Weeping Angels, he taught, you know... He, He's like, if you ever see a, a statue of an angel, don't blink. You know, it could be a weeping angel. And then there's that one. I don't know. Stephen Moffat didn't do that one episode in season three where um, uh, where the doctor turns into a human. And he, he captures all those people at the end of the episode. And he puts one of them in a mirror. And he says, if you ever see something in the corner of your eye when you're looking in the mirror, you know. <laughs> they even <laughs> mentioned just... uh, looking in the corner of your eye in a mirror in this episode. Yeah, so... It's not particularly Stephen Moffat, but I guess that's a, a, a Doctor Who likes to do those kinds of creepy things, where, mm. it, where it like applies to real life, you know. 
And they sort of did that with the silence in the library as well, I think. Yeah. So he um, he's talking to himself, and he has this chalk board, and then the word listen appears randomly behind him, as if he didn't actually write it. They're trying to imply he didn't write this. Mm-hmm. That this thing or whatever exists in the darkness um, wrote it. That's the idea. And right. meanwhile, um, we have our dear Clara on a date with the uh, Mickey dude. His uh, his name Danny. is Danny Pink. His name's not. Is it actually Pink? Yeah, Dan Danny Pink. I thought they were just making fun of that. No, no, no. That's his name. I had noticed that he was wearing pink, like the yeah. whole episode too. Like like, like a Power Ranger. <laughs> He's the Pink Ranger, <laughs> Danny the Pink Ranger. Um, <coughs> now, if this was actually Power Rangers, he would be the Black Ranger. Oh my! It's true though. You ever watch the show? <laughs> the Chinese person was the Yellow Ranger, and the whatever. The oh yeah, they had like a Native American Red Ranger. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was completely racist. The old show. But that's what it was. Anyways, they're on a date, and it's not going swimmingly. It's going really awkwardly. They're assuming things about each other, and it's getting heated, and then so she leaves, and the episode begins. She runs into the doctor in her, like, bedroom or something like that. He he starts telling her about his theory about the the, the man in the darkness and the person under the, the bed because he has this idea everybody has the same nightmare everyone has in in the world has had the same nightmare of waking up in the middle of a room uh sitting on their bed and and some random hand grabbing them uh on the leg have you had this nightmare david no have you i don't think so i've i've had ideas like oh yeah i think every i I think everybody i think everybody as a kid has at least thought about something under the bed and too freaked out to look under stories i've read creepy stories about things hiding under your bed oh, yeah. and that stuff's gone into my subconscious but i don't think i've had the specific dream yeah i don't think i've actually had a nightmare but i've been paranoid as a kid yeah same thing with the closet you know shadows the closet, on the closet never bothered me too much it was the bed uh well there's <laughs> one moment in my life where the closet was like ooh. But there's also, you know, the shadows of the tree branches that look like hands outside of the window and all that fun stuff. <laughs> That's right, fun. Right. But no, they're playing off the idea of something under your bed in this entire episode. And the whole idea that it could be your imagination or it could be something physical, something very real. Alright. Anyways, the Doctor has this thing in the TARDIS that I've never seen. <laughs> it's uh, some kind of goo she sticks her fingers in yeah and he tells her to use her imagination the TARDIS will read your mind and we'll go to your childhood I think it connects to her time stream it connects to her time stream uh he wants her to think about the times that she had that nightmare he was talking about so she starts to think about it and then her cell phone rings and she thinks about Mr. Mr. Pink and that makes her distracted. And they still go back in time. They just go to Danny's timeline. He's at this like little boys' school or something like that. And he's Rupert or something like that. 
Yep. And he just had the nightmare of getting grabbed by the feet. Now he's connected to her timeline somehow. Right, this whole episode... Well, ob obviously because they've met, but there seems to be a possibility of more. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be something very interesting in this episode, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> she starts having this conversation with the kid version, uh, Rupert, and uh, she wants to show him that there's nothing really under his bed. So she crawls under there with him and says, look, you know, it's just a dream, it's not real, and then something sits on the bed. <laughs> something weird sits on the bed. And the doctor comes in, and he tells the two that it can't win if you face the other direction and tell it to leave. Or something like that. Like, you're stronger. And again, this whole episode was, is it real? Or is it something very reasonable and uh, logical? Yeah, is it, is it something that can be easily explained? Or is it part of your imagination? Or is this a real monster? Right. It stands right behind them and takes the sheet off because it was hiding under a bed sheet. Yeah. And it's really blurry. You can't really see what it is, but it kind of looks like a monster in my opinion. Yeah. I it, think it could be just the distortion of the lens blur or something that could make it look like that too. But they're basically saying it could be a monster, but it could also just be one of the I other just, boys at the a school. A really ugly kid. <laughs> yeah. One of the boys at the school could just be playing a prank on Rupert, but the doctor's pretty much convinced that it's something else. And this is the point where Clara kind of protects Rupert by putting up his toy soldiers at the foot of his bed to protect him from whatever is underneath. And that's, like, really important for the episode. Right. The specific soldier. Yeah, the one soldier that doesn't actually have a toy gun because he doesn't need one. He's the strongest of them all. After that, she sent, she asked the doctor to send her back to the date so she can fix the mistake because she likes Rupert. And she goes back, and she pretty much calls him Rupert Pink and saying it's a horrible name. Well, she, I don't know, I don't remember what she was saying, but she did mention that his name was Rupert, and, and she shouldn't have known that. Yeah, and he freaks out thinking it's, like, super weird, and he doesn't do weird. And, uh, and then a space dude just walks through the restaurant, and nobody <laughs> seems to notice. Now that's the doctor's spacesuit. That's the same spacesuit he's had since season two. Did nobody notice a big spacesuit wearing dude walk through the theater? I or know, nobody restaurant? The restaurant I know Clara saw him. Clara saw him just fine. But nobody else saw it. Part of me was thinking, is that one of the ugly dude monsters that... <laughs> well, I was thinking it was the doctor because that's the doctor's spacesuit. Well, I thought that was the obvious answer. But it's not. Right, she thought it was the doctor. She follows it back into the TARDIS, and it turns out it's Danny, or Rupert, it's, or somebody. Nope, it's, uh, it's Orson. Orson. Orson Pink. Orson Pink. So, But he looks exactly like Danny. Yeah. But he seems to know a little bit too much about her as, at the same time, though, I think. Well, at first he doesn't seem like it, but then eventually he kind of suggests it. Right, so that's kind of confusing. It's like he does know. Anyways, um, the whole time the doctor's like, man, you're looking weird like you know the guy, like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> uh, but no. The doctor apparently didn't see the person that she was on the date with. Which is weird. 
Because he's like right out, right outside the restaurant. But this is the point in the show where he actually takes Clara to the ends of the universe, right. the last planet, the last person, which is of course Orson Pink. I couldn't help but notice the planet itself was pink too. What? Oh yeah. Okay. Now is this supposed to be the same place they went to at the end of season three? <laughs> I would guess so. It's supposed to be the last planet, end of the world. End of the so this must this must be after they launched the rocket ship, right? And so that, and then whoever was left on the planet probably died off, and then Orson traveled there by accident. Right. Anyways, he's there with uh, doctors there with Clara and uh, Orson there, and he says, "Listen, my TARDIS is broken right now." We're gonna have to spend here, uh, spend the night here. I need it needs to take it needs to charge up. We're gonna have a sleepover. <laughs> Orson's like, oh, that's fine, and the doctor makes a note that th we are the only people left in the universe right now. Why are you lying to us? Right. He is deathly afraid of whatever's out there, even though it is really the end of the universe. Nothing should be out there. Nothing should be out there. It's dead quiet. It's... You know what this also reminded me of? What's the episode, that? The episode Midnight, when they're on the planet, that it was, um, it, it was designed. The planet was uh, formed in a way that nothing could survive outside, and yeah. then something started banging on the outside of their, uh, outside of their bus or whatever. Yeah. Remember that episode? Yeah, I do. So that it kind of reminded me of that a little bit too. Well, anyways, uh, this guy is so afraid of whatever's outside that he has written in like invisible ink. <laughs> that only shows up for black lights. It says, uh, do not open this door. It's locked at all times. Which has gotten the doctor very intrigued because once night pulls over, uh, we have some weird sounds going on. You know, like the house settling. Except it's more like the ship settling. Right. And he, he keeps telling Clara, well, it could be this. It could be this. It could be this. Or it could be somebody, something on the outside knocking on the door. And he tells Clara, get in the TARDIS because I have to see this. I have to know what it is that is outside of this TARDIS. So he unlocks the door and it starts unlocking itself, which of course has its own uh, explanation as well. Right, it's the pressure or whatever. For, it could just be the, the pressure the whole time, yeah. Um, and it starts to open. We can't really see what the Doctor... So maybe um, there was a monster and the Doctor saw it. Right, he doesn't confirm nor deny in this episode what he saw, if he saw anything at all. Yeah. Because they get the doctor back on the ship. He's, like, zonked out. He, he, whatever he saw and the pressure and all that just knocked him out. And Claire decides to get out of that ship because, like, the ship is, like, getting destroyed or something or other. She decides to fly away. Um, using her she, imagination or whatever. Using that thing that she connected to earlier. And the thing that she says here, and she says it's not a plan, it's a thing. Didn't the doctor say that at one point? Oh, I don't know. Um, I thought she said... I, I, I believe Matt Smith said that. Oh, well, I thought she was talking about she can do a thing. Because she wasn't really able to control it before. She's like, now I can do a thing. It was in Vincent and the doctor. Okay. Amy says, "Do you have a you you do have a plan, don't you?" And the doctor says, "No, it's a thing. It's like a plan, but there's more grayness." <laughs> uh, oh, uh, just a random tidbit for news that we forgot. Guess who's going to be the new host for uh, Craig Ferguson? 
Oh, yes. Uh, what's his term? <laughs> Craig. It's Craig from Craig Doctor Owen, Who. Craig right? Yeah. I think. <laughs> That's James Corden. The, the actor James Corden who played Craig Owens in uh, those two episodes, The Lodger and... I forget what it was called, but it was the one that was the second to last episode of season six. You know, Matt Smith's best friend. Yeah. Anyways, she uses her telepathy ability to move the TARDIS, and she lands in this barn. She thinks she's going to see Mr. Pink again. Yeah. At first, when she was saying that and he didn't respond, I was thinking, maybe this is actually Clara's younger self. But, I, I, but then I, I didn't think about it, but she probably would have known that. She probably would have, yeah. No, she thinks it's uh, the pink guy, but it's not him. Uh, and when she hears somebody coming, she hides under the bed. And it's these older people, you still don't see them. But they're talking to the kid and saying, Well, you're never going to turn out to be a Time Lord if you do. If you not listen to us. Right. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, we are seeing the Doctor as a child. <laughs> which is so weird and it's such a cool scene because, because that that barn turned out to be the same barn from the day of the doctor yeah it's the one with uh old fart doctor yeah yep with uh the war doctor where he was about to destroy gallifrey yes from the 50th anniversary okay special. okay 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 how did she get there how did she get to gallifrey good question I think I, I, <laughs> I didn't think, think about that. How the heck did she get to Gallifrey? I'm thinking that it had something to do with the Doctor, like the TARDIS is connected to the Doctor himself. Yeah, it was his timeline, but still, it shouldn't. It's in a pocket universe. He shouldn't be able to get there. Yeah. Well, anyways, the kid Doctor <laughs> wakes up, starts to get off the bed, and she grabs his freaking leg. Yeah. Just jump starting. <laughs> Everyone's okay, so, nightmare. So everybody has that nightmare. Is it, everybody being grabbed by a secret time traveler hide, hiding under their no, bed? No, everybody's <laughs> getting grabbed by Clara. <laughs> yeah, because Clara's all over the universe, right? In a million different places. Yeah, she was, uh, she was exploded in the timeline, <laughs> and she's been everywhere. Exactly. And there you go. There's your explanation. Sure. Anyway, she tells him to get back into bed, and she kind of whispers into his ear, Listen, you know... You shouldn't be afraid of being afraid. You should let it come because uh, being afraid is going to follow you everywhere you go because it's like a companion or something like that. So basically, <laughs> what, she, what she teaches him there is what he taught uh, young Danny in, in his uh, childhood. Right. Um, the doctor wakes up and you know uh, in, the, in the TARDIS and he's, he's talking to Orson. And Orson asks him, what did you see? And it looks like the doctor's actually going to say something. But then he's cut off by Claire coming in and saying, let's get out of here. Don't look over there. Don't go back to where we just came from. Promise me that. Do as you're told. Yeah, so I, I like that because earlier he said, do as you're told. And she's she's not going to let that pass. She's, she's just as powerful as the doctor in this scene. You know, oh, yeah. it, she doesn't always have to listen to what he says. Sometimes he has to listen to what she says. He said, she said. You know how it goes. <laughs> but that was pretty cool about the barn and the the war doctor, though. Yeah. But the kid was... And the kid, when she said listen, 
to the kid, then he hears the TARDIS sound. So that probably gives him the idea of wanting to have a TARDIS, you know? Yeah. True. Anyways, uh, after the end, they let Orson off to wherever he's going to go. I don't know. Um, 100 years in the future. Was that? 100 years in the future. 100 years in the future. Uh, and then she goes back to uh, Danny Pink's house, and she makes out with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. And then the doctor kind of looks forlorn as he's looking off in the distance. And that's pretty now, much. Now well, she... there was there was no there was no connection to the uh, the Missy the Heaven. No, story. this episode had. However, there was a connection to Gallifrey. Yeah. So if Missy's story has something to do with Gallifrey, that could explain that. But wait, there's more. Um, at the end of the episode, I also forgot. They were doing the whole montage thing there with Clara telling the young doctor to listen. And mm -hmm. she left him something. She left him that toy. Right, right, right. The, uh, the soldier. Yeah. Now, what was it? It was uh, Soldier soldier Danny or something was, was the thought that the doctor implanted in oh, yeah. uh, young Rupert's mind. Yeah. Something like that. And, and so... So he, the doctor is actually the one that created the idea of Soldier Danny. <laughs> right. Um, so, but, so the doctor basically turned him into the soldier that he tur turned into eventually. Right. So the, I'm, I'm wondering if that has anything to do with his thoughts on soldiers that he mentioned the other, the other episode. Right. Of not liking them or... Something. I wonder what he did with that toy. Mm-hmm. And it's pro probably in his TARDIS somewhere. And what if he's the one that gave uh, Orson the? I don't know. I said it's a family heirloom. I don't know. It's very maybe confusing. Maybe the toy. Maybe the toy actually came from the Doctor and not from Orson's room. Yeah. I don't know. Very confusing. I wonder if we're gonna really see more of their story. It seems now. It sounds like. From an earlier scene that we didn't we didn't particularly talk too much about, Orson was saying he was saying that it was a family heirloom that it passed down to him from um, from uh, like his great great grandparents, and his great great grandparent was a time traveler or something. Right. Now they seem to be implying time that travels in his blood. They seem to be implying that maybe Clara was his great great grandmother. Right. However, what it could also be is maybe Danny just joins the TARDIS later on, and so Danny's the time traveler that he's talking and about. And maybe Orson is Danny. No, I don't think so. <laughs> could be. No, I don't, I don't know. Think so. I wasn't so sure about how they were going to portray this. Danny slash Mickey character. But he's got a lot of mystery himself. It's like they, they got... Yeah, I, I said I thought they were going to add more to that, and they did. They uh, it, It's very much like um, like the Impossible Girl. But now she, you know, her story's pretty much done, so we need something else to kind of take place of that. So we have the Missy character, and we have this Danny guy. Yeah. And... Now, see... Um, 
the fact that this is a Moffat episode and he's exploring that story means it's probably important to this season. True. He, um, if he does the finale, which I guess he might. Always. Always? Yeah. The then creator that... always writes the, the premiere and the finale. So. Well, I guess cre- so. Not the creator, the uh, head writer. Yeah. I guess they would have to um, spring that back on the on the finale. Maybe the Christmas special. Well, um, the season eight Blu-ray is coming out before the Christmas special, so I think the Christmas special is not going to continue the same arc. I think it's going to be either starting something new or it's just going to be its own thing. It's probably just going to be its own thing. But this was a very very good episode. I I and I figured it would be too. Do you think it's the best of the season? I'm thinking it probably is, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be as popular as Blink in the future? Like, if, when people go back and say their favorite episodes, do you think they're going to list this one? No. No? Out of all of them? No, I don't think so. And I don't mean this as their top, their absolute favorite, but I mean, will it be in the top five or something for a lot of people? Eh, I can't really say, because there's way too many... With uh, David Tennant and Matt Smith that I like. Yeah. A lot of people pick Blink as their top one or two because just because it's so different and and it's got that psychological paranoia thing going on. Oh, yeah, but then, I, I don't know, maybe mine would be the uh, library crap. Yeah, I like that a lot. Hey, who turned off the lights? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, actually I was at uh, work I think, and I, it just sprung up on me. I was like, "Are you my mommy?" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah. was a good. One. That was a good one. That's Stephen Moffat. Yeah. <laughs> so he's still got some good writing left in him. So. Oh yeah, it's he always excels when he's writing. You know, when he's the actual writer of the episode, that's always when it gets good. I think. So far, he's written three out of the four episodes. Uh, he didn't directly write the second episode with the Dalek, but he was credited as a writer on that episode because it was his idea. But I think they had an actual different um, screenplay writer, but he, it was his idea. Well, I'm sure he probably overlooks all the episodes, maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, as a head writer, he has to approve every episode, yeah, but they're not all his ideas, or they're not mostly like sometimes he'll come up with a basic idea like say charles i I guess in season one the head writer at the time was like charles dickens and ghosts you know and then then, uh mark gatiss you know took that idea and created it into his own thing sort of thing but mark gattis nope and uh so stephen moffat might come up with the very basic ideas but for inside the dalek it seemed like he had a lot more to do with that one because he was actually created, credited as one of the writers of the episode. All right, then. I think that's it. That be it. That's be it. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about the fifth episode, believe it or not, which is where the doctor dies. <laughs> oh, my. I thought that was the end of season six. Oh, they happen. it happens all the time. Anyways. Um... <laughs> well, no, here's the, here's the rule with Stephen Moffat. Nobody actually ever dies. All right, if, you right. go, if you go back to any of Stephen Moffat's um, episodes or seasons, anybody who dies pretty much comes back or isn't 
actually dead. Well, nobody <laughs> ever dies because there's a freaking time machine. Well, there's that too. <laughs> Can't really kill anybody if you have a time well, a machine. Lot, there's a lot of people dying and coming back to life in Stephen Moffat's episodes. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah, fifth episode next week. Um, so check that out. Make sure to give us a comment on wherever you find this podcast, be it WordPress at sotapodcast.wordpress.com or Podomatic or iTunes or, or Reddit or, or Twitter or Facebook <laughs> or uTorrent. I said or Napster. <laughs> Napster. Does that exist anymore? I don't know. <laughs> or Kazaa, if you find it on there. <laughs> um... Give us a comment, and if I find it, I will <laughs> give you a shout-out as well and address your concerns or praises, because there's probably lots of praises. Um, follow us on Potomatic and everywhere else, and iTunes, <laughs> iTunes Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> and, uh, and all that fun stuff. My name is Dave, and I am the Time Lord this evening. And I'm Andy. Who is the companion. Uh, we'll catch you next week on Smaller on the Outside. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Smaller on the Outside. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and visit our webpage at sotapodcast.wordpress.com.